Join the conversation with the Morning Majlis. Pulse95. Join the conversation with the Morning Majlis. Uh, keep those texts coming in on 4215 uh, and uh, IGCF, the International Government Communication Forum, is certainly one of the uh, the biggest uh, discussions that we have been, we've been having here on the programme. Uh, now we'll talk to you about Kim Campbell. She is the former Prime Minister of Canada uh, and she led a session yesterday the government and, and the, the government that the world needs. When she was Prime Minister, although it was a very brief term, six months, uh, she talked talked about uh, her, her, her leadership skills or style was described as interactive. And this is one of the things that she's uh, advocated for, uh, that uh, the governments these days need to a bit be a bit more of a listener for the general public at large. Uh, so my conversation was about her talk, about uh, the current situation uh, surrounding the well, current political scenario, as well as uh, the economics so when it comes to inflation, um, uh, higher energy, uh, well, energy crisis as well. So this is Kim Campbell. Uh, former Prime Minister of Canada, uh, speaking to Pulse95 on the sidelines of the event. And, and my first question to her was her thoughts on the world coming together at the stage here in Sharjah and her initial thoughts of visiting Sharjah. This is what Kim Campbell, former Prime Minister of Canada, had to say. Well, it's been well organized and I think the conversations have been very candid and open and thought-provoking. So I've been enjoying it very much and very pleased to be part of it. And I've never been to Sharjah before. I've been to Dubai, but I haven't been here. So this is a discovery for me, this wonderful place. So I'm very, uh, and I understand this is the 11th year of this program, so good on them. I mean, this is a very, well, this is a very important conversation to have at any time this year, perhaps more than ever, given the crises that we're facing. Well, definitely are. And uh, now, you know, you're a keen advocate on the, uh, the, the the communication levels between the governments and the general public at large to be, to be well gelled and well connected. Your leadership style has been identified as interactive. Uh, talk to us a, a, a little bit more about the importance of having that level of, or that kind of a leadership style and this continuous uh, connection with the general public? Well, you know, there are always times when you're a leader where you have to make decisions alone. But if your general practice is to be interactive and to consult with people, first of all, you'll make better decisions because you'll learn from people. I mean, if you talk to people who are going to be affected by what you do, they can often tell you things that you don't know. You can't put your head on other people's shoulders. And no matter how broadly traveled are, you're just one person, so you need to learn from others. But it also means that if people know that you are an interactive leader, they know that you care, they know that you will talk to people, then on those times when you have to make decisions on your own, they trust you because they know that it isn't a decision-making style that you have because you don't think you can learn from anybody else or that you think you're the big cheese and only you get to do that. That they will trust those decisions you make alone because they know that in general you are an open person who wants to hear from people and, um, and so they will feel confident that you're doing the best you can. And how is this kind of a leadership style very crucial, especially given the crisis at the moment where we've always had this theme of, of each to their own and we've got the big recession approaching at the moment, we've got the energy crisis, we've got winter discontent to an extent ex uh, taking place in Europe. Um, so how can this play a, a larger role in, in, in alleviating the concerns of the general public? Well, first of all, it, it, it's often amazing what you learn from people when you talk to them. 
there are a lot of issues where local activity can often alleviate some problems, where local communities will sometimes come up with ways to mitigate the negative effects of something. We've also seen this in cases of disasters where local communities often mobilize to help. Um, you know, this governor of, of Florida who shipped these, uh, Texas, who are the two of them who shipped these migrants up to uh, Martha's Vineyard and thought, you know, ha ha, we'll show them. And what they discovered was that the people in that community, their first reaction was, okay, let's help these people. Let's get them to a place where there's permanent help for them. But they gave them food and shelter and whatever. You know, people are often really good, but they also, also have good ideas. When I was dealing with difficult issues of legislation, I always talked to the people who were going to be affected by it. Because sometimes they would tell me something that I never imagined and it would keep me from making a big mistake. So when you have that, that approach, sometimes it can also lift some of the burden off your shoulders when you realize that being a leader doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. What it means is you have to develop the process for finding answers, for mobilizing the energies of people who can help, for looking for, for help, both in terms of effort and ideas. So I think that that's really what interactive leadership is. It's understanding the limits of your own knowledge, the limits of your own power, and appreciating that just because you're the leader doesn't mean you're only the, you know everything, you don't. Uh, and it's actually an enjoyable way of exercising a leadership function because you get to meet so many remarkable people. And it encourages you, it inspires you. You know, plus the fact that sometimes they can keep you from making stupid mistakes. That's also good. <laughs> now, I'm going to talk to uh, talk to you about your past as well, you know, but you've, you've had a many firsts. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> you've had many firsts as well. You started off your political career to an extent from being a student body president as well. Uh, talk to us about you know, how, how did this all keep you going and, and you know, obviously overcoming the challenges of back in the days. Um, uh, what, what are the key leadership qualities do you reckon uh, that you possess uh, that made you uh, continue on this journey and, and eventually become prime minister? Well, um, I think I was always a good communicator, and I think that's important, that I could uh, uh, you know, inspire people or get them interested in things. But I think I started out uh, you know, not so much thinking of myself as a leader, but as thinking of myself as someone who was responsible for the state of the world, not solely responsible, because both my parents were in uniform in World War II, and I was born after the war. But the history of World War II was you know, part of the environment in which I grew up. And it was such a terrible thing, such terrible losses and wonderful young people who died going to war and communities destroyed, etc. that I wanted to be part of some process that would make sure that didn't happen again. And I wasn't sure what that was. And when I was a teenager, I wanted to be the first woman secretary general of the UN. I thought that's how I died. I didn't know how you did that. And so politics became something that I got involved in because I felt a sense of responsibility. And when I was in school, I sort of thought, you know, we, we were doing things. And actually, I did want to have a victory for a girl. I was the first girl. And the year before, a girl, we were just girls in, had run and had not won. And people sort of were saying, oh, well, a girl can't be president. And I thought, sure she can. So part of it was a desire to break some barriers, but also to make a contribution. And then, as I say, when I got, as I got older, I got more involved in politics, I came to understand that a lot of the, the best contribution I could make was by liberating the knowledge and potential of other people, by making it possible for people to really be part of the conversation. 
And that's why this communication that we're talking about here is so important. And it's, it's an issue on many levels. First of all, how governments talk to people, who they talk to, what they say, but also how you build the sense of, of trust that enables people even to want to be part of the conversation or to think it matters. And we're living at a time where some people don't think it matters or they don't have that kind of trust. And um, that's an issue. And, and in your line of work, you know, it's so important, you know, how you engage people uh, in the conversation and create a public that wants to hear what you have to say and what your guests have to say. So good on you. I mean, because it's an important part of the, the solution. Former Prime Minister's perspective and, and the thought leader at the moment. Are we nervous about the ongoing crisis, the looming energy crisis? Uh, we've got the uh, the recession as well, the economic side of things, energy crisis. What's the way out should a state leader uh, will, will, uh, try to address this? If we're not nervous, we ought to be. If we're not nervous, then we should you know, stop taking drugs or whatever we're doing that are keeping us from having a realistic assessment of the world. Of course we should be nervous. This is a frightening, scary time. We're dealing with economic uh, crises um, at a time when we've got uh, a nuclear-armed lunatic threatening to use those weapons against a sovereign country in Europe if we stand up for that country. Now, that's pretty scary stuff. But can we resolve these problems? I don't know the answer to, I don't can't predict what Vladimir Putin's going to do. But I think the solidarity of the countries that have been supporting Ukraine is crucial. And I'm very encouraged by it because there'll be a lot of reasons for people to run for cover. Like, oh, it's not our fight or whatever. But people see it is our fight. This is actually a proxy war. I mean, if Vladimir Putin gets away with this, who will be next? There's a nice young reporter here from Lithuania. Why will Lithuania not be next if Vladimir Putin could undermine, you know, try to re reconstitute the Soviet Union, uh, which nobody wanted? So I think I am nervous, but what we, what the theme of this conference has been, or at least how we started out, was to be honest about the state of the world. There was a video that could give you nightmares about all the terrible things happening. But then also optimistic about the resources we have as human beings, that people are kind and brave and caring and can accomplish remarkable things if they're given the opportunity, if they're well-led, if they um, are, uh, you know, are able to be part of, of processes of, of finding solutions. So um, on that basis, because I know that there are, I think, more good human beings than bad human beings, and that some people who are bad human beings are frustrated by a world that's letting them down a bit. I mean, governments have been failing, um, and we need to uh, make them not fail. Um, but that, you know, I, the, the only problem now is that the stakes of mistakes are higher than they've been. In other words, even in World War II, which was a terrible conflict of, I mean, unimaginable proportions, but it ended before the Germans got nuclear weapons. <laughs> that is true. Well, valid point. Now, now, we're, now the stakes of mistakes are higher and that keeps people awake at night including me but i'm not in government anymore uh, definitely is but uh, now i'd like to bring the canadian um, elements to this as well because obviously the world has now evolved out of the pandemic to an extent we're in post-pandemic era canada has decided that from october 1 they're going to be dropping all covid restrictions um, how are you viewing this and how is this going to be of an economic benefit for canada itself well 
I think other countries are dropping it too. I mean, I've traveled here from, from Italy and nobody either in Europe or here wanted to know about my COVID status. As it happened, I just had my fourth vaccine and I test myself regularly so I would not inflict myself on anybody if I thought I could be carrying the virus. But I think you just get to the point where there are... Remember when we started these restrictions, we had no vaccines. It's a different world now. So yes, we still have dangers. Um, I wear a mask a lot, depending on where I am. I, when I'm running on a plane, I do. Um, and we may, and masking is actually probably the most effective thing we can do, however it's uncomfortable. Um, it is very effective. But I think that, that you get to the point where there's fatigue, and rather than having restrictions that uh, either people try to get around or that don't really tell you anything, um, you're better to focus on the things that you really can do uh, to, to help people. And as I say, vaccinations, the new drugs, there's a lot of ways where COVID is still there, but it isn't as scary. And so as a, 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 a factor for limiting the, the ingress and egress from your country, I think it's just probably uh, no longer as important. But if we had a whole other surge of it, then I would hope that there would be some responses. Well, Kim, thank you for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on Pulse 95, and we look forward to welcoming you back again here in Charger. Thank you very much. It's so nice to meet this dynamic young media, media team bringing the news to the people of the Gulf regions. This was Kim Campbell, the former Prime Minister of Canada, and we've got plenty of more conversations lined up for you today. Just after 12 o'clock, we'll go live again from the International Government Communication Forum, live from the Expo Centre Charger. So stay tuned to Pulse95 to listen and hear more about the International Government Communication Forum. Get in touch. <laughs> Email us on pulse95 at spa.net.au.